This is Servant Marcia Carney with Escape to Heaven. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His anointing is empowering. The kingdom of the Lord is within me. And He's calling Good morning, Tallahassee. It is a wonderful day to be alive, and you're listening to Wave 94, 94.1, Escape to Heaven. It is your light. Servant Marcia from Heaven on Earth Ministries of Jesus Christ. And the first thing I want to say is thank you, thank you, Lord, because I have my voice back. This weekend, I had the privilege, pleasure to be like a speaker on Clubhouse. And what they wanted me to talk about is wealth. And when we think about escaping to heaven, most of the time, it's because we're overwhelmed with responsibilities that we do not know how to meet. So today, we're going to talk about wealth in the kingdom of God. I think that's a great subject. I can't wait to see what the Lord allow us to learn. I can start out by saying, okay, naturally, if you want to be wealthy, here's some of the things that you can do. Like, first of all, be faithful, right? With a few. Uh, remember that you need to sow a seed in order to reap um, any kind of prosperity. You need to um, only invest in things you understand. And of course you save because saving and investing honor God and serves others. Always have a plan for your investments. Uh, diligent investing should make you rich. Be patient. Uh, you gain wealth one step at a time. Also seek wise counsel. Procrastination is a mistake and diversify your investments. Don't hoard your wealth, meaning don't just put it in the bank and say, oh, it's just sitting there, my, my, mine. And if an investment sounds too good to be true, most likely it is. And then be a giver, invest in the kingdom of God. So those are that's a mixture of principles it's biblically based, but it's also natural in the world. And uh, if you have been thinking and pondering uh, those words that they're always saying, the wealth transfer, uh, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. You know, we've heard so much. And you keep looking around saying, well, when will this happen? Perhaps it starts with you. First of all, saying that you really do want to be wealthy. But if that is the case, you should take some time to understand the responsibilities connected with wealth. So our God owns all the cattle. He is everything. He created everything. If, if he desires that we multiply and in our words, we would say be wealthy or be rich over in Deuteronomy. 
the eighth chapter, uh, looking at the 18th verse, uh, one of the things that I read here, it says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. So even though we went over principles, do not feel like it is those principles that would give you wealth. It is God who gives you the power to get wealth. Now, God spoke this um, to the Israelites, and he was trying to tell them, remember who I am. And I say the same thing for us. Uh, as we mature in the natural and we gain more wisdom and understanding, there are times where we would think that I got what I got because of me. But no, mm-mm. God led you, first of all, out of complete darkness, <laughs> you know, the wilderness uh, in order to humble you and test you. And that's what he told the Israelites, because, you know, you need to know what's in your heart so that you can understand why the commandments are so necessary and so transformational and how the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to be this new creature that we become when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so in Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, it talks about how the Lord led the Israelites through the wilderness, how he humbled them, allowed them to hunger, fed them with manna, and um, but then wanted them to learn the word so that they could understand that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he reminded them that their garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell. So while we're in the most horrible circumstances, you know, God is still there uh, keeping us. <laughs> you know, uh, not letting us die. And, and a lot of the reasons for the wilderness is so that you will keep the commandments of the Lord, our God, and walk in his ways and have reverential fear for him. And why? Because the Lord, our God, is he brings us into a good land, and that's prosperity. A land of brooks of water, fountains, springs, Wheat, barley, wine, fig trees, promenade, olive oil, honey. A land in which you will eat bread and not sparingly, but abundantly. You know, where you will lack nothing. That's prosperity. But the point is, beware. Once you get to wealth and riches, do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and it's statue because what we'll do, we'll get into wealth, uh, into a higher level of social standing, and we will forget that it is God that empowered us to arrive there. And uh, we'll look at the bank account and the lands that we have achieved and, you know, the different businesses and so forth, and our heart will be lifted up and we will forget the Lord who brought us out of that bondage that we were in, who led us through the wilderness and 
you know, where there were serpents and scorpions, but yet uh, nothing happened to you. I went to the beach a couple of, well, about now, a month or so ago in Miami. And um, I was there very early in the morning, so about eight. And uh, as I was just casually walking, something, I heard something say, stop. And I'm like, whoa, why? I'm at the beach. <laughs> and thankfully, I stopped. And it said, look at the tree. And I looked at the tree and, and it said, see, look. When I looked at the tree, I said, wow, it does look kind of different. By the time I finished that thought, a tegu lizard, which is almost uh, seven feet long, uh, looked like a little alligator, but also a combination of a dragon, literally stepped out of the shadows and just looked at me. And I looked at it. And I'm sharing that to say no one was on the beach that morning, just me. You know? And he could have easily have, you know, attacked me. No one would have ever found me. But our God, and this is what he's saying to the Israelites, and he's saying it to you, that no one knows the dangers that God has kept you from, but you do. And so when we get into the promised land, the land of wealth and riches, we must remember that it is God himself that brought us out. Amen? Because you will make a mistake, and in your heart, you'll say, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Well, you cannot say that. You cannot almost think that. You have to remember the Lord your God, it was He who gave you the power to get wealth that He may establish His covenant with you. As I taught the people uh, Friday night, I believe, about wealth, and I started giving them all these great principles and how to apportion your money and uh, how I, I said, uh, well, you know, at the end of it all, I said, the very first thing that you must do is pay your tithes, give your tithes to the Lord. And I wanted to share um, how important it is to have a willing heart, willing heart to give to God uh, in order to, if you want to be wealthy and you're a believer, then you're not able to possibly get the wealth in the way that the wicked does. You have to do it a different way. And so the way that we do it when we are believers and the remnant or we have faith in the Lord, we do it His way, you know. And His way is like tithing, offerings, that kind of thing. So King David is a really good example of what he did. And what he did gave assurance that King Solomon, I believe, became the richest man that is that have ever existed in the whole world. So if you want to talk about, I want to be wealthy, um, I'll, I'll talk about some more principles in a few minutes, but I want to go back in the Bible and let's see if we could find an example. So King David in 1 Chronicles 29th chapter, 
starting at the third verse. He said, moreover, I have set my affection on the house of my God. I have given to the house of my God over and over above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. So I just learned right there that there needs to be a motivation for wealth that supersedes temporal or selfish reasons. And I believe I will find a principle to talk about that. See, uh, when you want to be wealthy, it cannot be, I just want to be rich. It has to be more than that. In God's kingdom, you have to remember we are ambassadors. We're pilgrims. We're just passing through. And so we cannot get so attached to the things of this world that we do not keep our eye on the prize, for lack of a better way of speaking. So here's what David did. 3,000 talents of gold, uh, 7,000 talents of refined silver. So he used gold and silver to cover the house. And the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver. Um, He then asked for a consecrated person to the work of the Lord. And so then all the leaders, all the captains, all the officers offered willingly. And they gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. The key is willingly. So giving in the kingdom of God is almost like a key to wealth. It's a foundational key. And it's a heart it's a heart thing. So you cannot, because you hear me speaking about it today, say, oh, I'm going to give so-and-so. And your motivation is to reap multiplication. No. It has to be that you're giving because you're pleasing the Lord in some form or fashion. And then you have to think about why do you want to be rich or wealthy? What is it that you're going to do as it relates to the kingdom of God, helping people, loving people, empowering people. And yes, you can enjoy the benefits of being rich as well, but there has to be uh, something more than just having money in the bank. So anyone that had precious stones in First Chronicles gave willingly to the house of God, and they offered willingly to the Lord and King David. And listen to the blessings that King David uttered unto the Lord before all the assembly. He said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, power, glory, victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over it all. 
in your hand is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Because who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? But all things come from you and of your own, meaning that whatever you gave us, we gave it back to you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand. And it's all your own. Just amazing, this prayer that David did. Now, the prayer that he he did, he says, I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure and uprightness. But because of this prayer, and he asks, give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statues and to do all these things and to build the temple for which I have made provision. That prayer, that was the impetus, you know, that allowed the Lord to literally come and meet with Solomon like face to face and bless him indeed. Over in Second Chronicles, the first chapter, it talks about how Solomon was strengthened and the Lord, his God, was with him and exalted him. So the kind of wealth that Solomon attained was not his own power and might. It came from the exaltation of the Lord God. Okay? And so uh, Solomon did a big feast and so forth. But on that night, God appeared. We're looking at uh, second book of Chronicles, first chapter, Verse number seven, on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to my father, David, and you've made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of God? Now listen to God as he responds back. We're talking about we want to be wealthy, but we want to do it God's way. Amen. Then God said to Solomon, because... This was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you, this is God, riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any have after you shall have the like. And so that's what we were talking about. We were talking about, okay, from God, we can receive 
natural wealth. We can. Okay. And, but there's another type of riches that God himself um, is more concerned with. And this wealth and riches go beyond material things. So we know that our God can bless us and he can make us extraordinary rich. And his expectation when he does these things is that we bless others. But we do also want to, want to understand, like, in God's perspective, what does he view as riches? Okay? So if I go over to Romans, the um, ninth chapter, uh, we'll see here starting at, like, 22nd verse. What if God... Wanting to show his wrath, right? And to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And so that might sound complex, what I just said, but it's just saying that, you know, God shows his mercy and grace and he has long suffering to those of us that do not have not had a covenant with him. And that generally meant the Gentiles. And anyone that in this day and age have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, which is the path to God, right? So what if God extended long-suffering that he might make known the riches, okay, of his glory? So God is really interested in that part of riches as well. Riches of his glory on vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us who he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Over in Hosea, and we're still in Romans the ninth chapter, he says, I will call them my people who were not my people. So that's like unlimited riches. I heard over the weekend a guy that went to hell and he began to explain some of the horrors there. And any of us that miss hell, that riches, that rich, that wealth of not going to hell supersedes whatever riches or wealth that we gain in this temporal world. Going back to Romans, the ninth chapter, God will call us beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. So that is riches, to be able to pursue righteousness, to even know that righteousness exists. You know, that's wealth, that's riches. And First Timothy, um, in the sixth chapter, verses six, it says, um, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Stop right there. We want to be wealthy. We want to be rich. But you, we got to get better understanding, especially if we're believers. We want to be godly because that riches, that wealth supersedes wealth of the world. And godliness is contentment with great gain. Contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world 
and it's certain that we can carry nothing out. So having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, right, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Um, I'm thinking of an instance right now where uh, there was a preacher that I'm still dealing with somewhat. And the only thing he really wanted was to be rich. I mean, he says he wants the church. He says he wants the shepherd. He says he's a prophet. But at the core of everything, I want to be rich and I want to be respected for my riches. Uh, even today, as I think of him, he's not walking in the righteousness of God that he had been previously. Because if if being rich is your primary motivation, well, it's going to lead you into temptation, just like this Bible says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And that person's, um, the person I was speaking about, their marriage is now on the rocks. They don't have a ministry. The business that they deceitfully created is gone. I mean, many, many sorrows. So if you must be wealthy, if you desire riches, just simply do it the way how God says to do it. Okay? But you, oh man of God, flee these things and pursue what? Righteousness. See, that's how you do it. Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good faith, the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, the enemy will have you become a liar because you forgot that at one point you were talking about God, God, God. But then you let this thing of I got to be rich overtake you. So if you are rich, if God did allow you to now attain wealth here in this earth, then here's what the Lord say do. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give willingly, willingly share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. I have figured this out. What I figured out is, if I want to be wealthy, I think it's best if you want to be wealthy or rich, let's do it God's way. Of whatever we earn, we take that 10%. That's tithing. And you know, bless yourself, 10% for yourself. And then put another 10% for saving. Another, say, 60% to live off of. Or 70%. But if you could do 60%, that would be awesome. And the remaining 10% is for investments. That's small, practical way 
to attain wealth. But the greatest wealth is to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. That is an eternal wealth that will go beyond the time that your body returns back to dust. I would like to pray with you today. Father God, I ask you to look down upon all of us in Radio Land. And Lord, give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And Lord, allow us to hold on to you, God, and view and understand that you are the God that created all things. And from you, all things good come. And so we give back to you a 10% or more because we acknowledge that you are our source. Father, I ask you to bless those today that desire to be rich and bless them with your heart so that they give, empower, and build as you have asked us to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. And if you must go for wealth, go for the wealth that God will give you. Amen.